elegant weapon for a more civilized age. gentlemen welcome to an elegant weapon episode 371 my name is jjm clark jay the jedi ross ross jedi jane as always it is so wonderful to have all you beautiful babies here with me in the smoking pod studio tonight kids very exciting times uh if i can figure out what the hell i'm doing here boom uh yeah we're hanging out here kids tonight we've got a new friend his name is todd black he is here he is the writer of tokyo blade detectives uh had a little read of issues one and two today and i very much so enjoyed it uh super fun book todd how are you hello there (laughs) uh welcome to the show my friend it's good to meet you good to meet you i'm honored to be here uh, I'm just trying to figure out here. This is always the most awkward part of the show. I'm still trying <laughs> to figure out of how to share it on uh, different pages. I'm Take just, your time. We're yeah. good. Boom. Uh, so where are you out of? Where are you existing right now? Uh, I'm in Illinois right now. Okay. So, uh, right on. You're yeah. in Chica- Ch- uh, close to Chicago? or Close enough. Close right enough. On. Uh, yeah, I actually went to college there. Oh, cool. Um, Chicago. Are you originally from uh, Illinois? Like, yeah, born and born, raised. Born, born, born and raised in Illinois. And, uh, uh, I was just there um, in February for C two E two. I was there too. Yeah, uh, you were one of the lucky ones. Then we were uh, one of the few who actually got to experience a, uh, a larger scale Comic Con this year. Eh? The, the irony of that event compared to now is just profound. Because for those of you who weren't there. We were told, you know, okay, COVID's coming and, you know, you, you should protect yourself. But, and then there were certain people in Artist Alley, which is where I was at. They were like, hey, if you come to my table, we'll talk to death, but, you know, like elbow bumps or fist bumps, you know, totally. no shaking hands. And we were like, you know, that's, that's fine, but like, is, aren't you overreacting just a little bit? And then like three weeks later, bam. Totally. It was, yeah, you're right. It was just starting. We were just starting with the fist bumps and people were just being a little bit cautious, but I mean, it felt like pretty much any other Comic-Con, but you're right. It came down like a... Not a The only mask you were wearing is if you were wearing cosplay. (laughs) Right, right. I was really lucky in February because I got uh, C2E2, Fan Expo Vancouver, and Astronomicon all in. And all in like three weeks. And it was like a big boom start to the year. And I was so excited about 2020. And then it I was, all went away. I was about to have the busy, busiest time in my con, my con career. I was going to have four cons in five weeks. I was going to have C2E2 and then a local con called Peoria Con, which, went, which I had. went very well. And then uh, two weeks after that was supposed to be Planet Comic Con and then another local con. And then I was like, eight days away from Planet Comic Con, which I've been trying to get into for years. I finally got in. I was already planning everything. And then I get a word from a friend of mine who's also named Todd. And he's like, hey, brother, we're just letting you know they're, they're, they're going to cancel it because of COVID. And I'm like, no. And now I have like one con left this year. If it happens, it's in November in Michigan. And I'm like, it's 50-50. That's even going to happen. What show would that be? 
It's a Grand Rapids Comic Con. They're still thinking about doing Grand Rapids, eh? Well, but yeah, but it's in, it's in November, so True. they have they have time to plan. It's like like Planet was supposed to now be in August, but because of everything going on and the fact that it's just not getting better, they're like, we're not even going to risk it. We're going to cancel. So right, you know, I got to say it's fifty fifty right now. More than likely, they're going to cancel unless things just get better. I don't like our chances, and. I mean, yeah. even if they did do it, it's a risk because, like, anyone who goes been to a big con, this is a big con in Michigan. I went there the first time last year. You know, they're talking to thousands of people together and, you know, close proximity and Absolutely. lines. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Fan Expo, the fine people behind, behind Fan Expo uh, here in Toronto are Fan Expo in August, uh, September, Labor Day weekend was canceled, of course. But yeah. they are considering in November – trying a special kind of exclusive show where it's like very few people and they're like saying straight up it'll be very hard to get into it'll be half the vendors because it'll have to be every other table Mm. and it'll be severe precautions Mm -hmm. i i i'm optim i'm slightly optimistic because we are in a pretty good situation here in canada where where we are kind of on the fence where i can look at november and think maybe we might be able to pull something like that off uh, things are a little bit more touchy down your side yeah. of the border. So, yeah, but we're, it, we're, yeah, it's hard, man. Up. Cause normally yeah. I would grand Rapids. I would be there. I mean, it's been two, three years since I've went just because it's on the other side of Michigan. It's kind of hard for me <laughs> to get to. Yeah. But most that's, why, the, that's why I go. Cause I'm not driving all the way up the glove. It's like right there. And I'm like, I can do that. Right. Yeah. See, I'm only like three and a half hours from the Novi side of Michigan. So like mm. motor city comic Con's like three, four hours for me. So yeah. that, that side of Michigan, anything happens, I'm definitely there and I can't be. And I don't know if I'll be able to for years, man. Like I might be kind of on this stranded island of Source Point Press North all by as, myself for quite a while. Yeah. As a wise man once said, I've got a bad feeling about this. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I'm dropping it, as many Obi-Wan liners as I can. Hey, bring them, man. This is the most appropriate show for a comic creator to do such. So, you know. <laughs> It's uh, it's kind of cool. I haven't actually done this in a while where I've had someone on the show that I don't know at all, have never met before, and am not familiar with. So this is cool because we can go right back to your origin story. So yeah. tell me a little, a little bit about when comics came into your life and uh, when the passion began. Well, I, I'm not going to lie. My, my real passion happened when I was about... I don't know, four to six years old. It's kind of hard. I've tried to sleep since then. But my dad got me into Batman, the animated series, like the original, the classic, the eternal. And that's when I started learning about comic characters. And of course, from that came Superman and X-Men and Spider-Man animated series and all of them. And But comics wise, like actually reading the comics, I didn't do that until I was like 18. And it wasn't that I didn't want to read. It's just I didn't know if I had access because I'm in small town USA, more or less. And so, you know, I thought, oh, there's not a lot of comic stores near me. And there was a Marvel event about to happen called Dark Reign, where basically Norman Osborn takes over the world. And I was like, you know what? That that really kind of sounds cool. I kind of want to read. And I've been, re- I've been hearing about Final Crisis because that just ended and Batman died. Right. And everything. And I was like, let's just let's just look up comic stores. And I found out there's like one ten minutes away from me. Right. And I was like, ah, idiot. So I start reading in there and I just start getting ideas. And I had already had an idea for a superhero. Uh, I called it a movie series at the time. And I was like, 
I can do that. And so I went to C2E2, which is my very first comment to Kong, because like, uh, like I told you before, before the podcast, I was a uh, I went to college in Chicago, so I was right there for C2E2, and I went to a Marvel panel called Making Comics the Marvel Way, and on the panel was Matt Fraction, and he, he was doing Iron Man at the time, and I was like, what would you tell an art, a guy who wants to make comics as a writer and just try and start out? And he goes, if you want to make comics, go find an artist and make comics. About two years later, <laughs> st- still looking, uh, I finally got a job because like, apparently I have to pay people to make comics. I had no idea. So uh, it took me a while. I saved some money and I made my first series called Guardians. And I used the first three issues of that to nearly bankrupt myself and <laughs> learn the hard way how to make comics and what not to do. So uh, then I took a break and I came back and I've been making comics ever since. I have with Tokyo, the first two issues, I'm about 32 comics to my name. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I apparently wow. have more than certain professionals, which makes me feel both good and horrified because well, like, I haven't been hired yet. Yeah, so is it is it mainly self-published then? Or yeah. oh, what's been the route for you? Have you done a lot of Kickstarters? I, or? I, yeah, I've, I've done, I've done a little a bit of everything. Route? I've done, I've done, I've done <laughs> I used to have a paper route, actually, multiple. Um, I've done like a little bit of everything. I, I started making comics because I realized that uh, Comixology had their submit program. This is like year one of Comixology right. submit. And so I, I submitted my stuff to them and I didn't realize it would take like eight months to actually get on the website. So I had to learn the hard way about that. Then I realized, oh, I can have actually my own website and I could sell the comics there. So that's what I did. I wrote 20 issues of Guardians just paying out of pocket. Wow. And yeah, like, like I said, I, I learned the hard way how to do things. Sorry, how and old are you? I'm I'm forty. I'm kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. Okay. I'm, I'm thirty. I'm, I'm thirty. Okay, okay, that's still that's quite a bit to get done by the time you're thirty. Oh, that's... I'm not done yet. Um, I then realized <laughs> that um, Oni Press, the the uh, great publisher, they were doing this contest of trying to you know bring in new creators, and so I and the, the only caveat was it had to be short form series or. And, and not superheroes, which of course is what I had been doing this whole time. So I, I thought of two ideas called Home and 10,000 Miles, and I got both both got rejected, which are fine. So I went to Kickstarter, got them all funded, so that was an extra six. And then I met up with two epic ladies, uh, Tamara Robertson and Dr. Tracy Fanara, and we started to make a science comic called Seekers of Science, did four of those. In the meantime, cool. I started writing some Sherlock Holmes novels, which is public domain, so I could totally do. And now I'm doing Tokyo. So I've been a busy boy. <laughs> so did the comics lead to the writing, or were you already interested in creative writing as like a little kid before? Oh, you kind writing of is like Batman. the one thing I'm good at. Writing, yeah. like, I can't do math. I've got a great memory for history, which is part why I do Tokyo, because I love the history of Japan. The love of stories, right? Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love, yeah. love history, love stories, love. Con- like you know epic conquests and stories of revolution and all that kind of thing and it just i've always written well it's oh which i know is, doesn't, is a horrible actual grammar, grammar wise sentence but uh <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible at grammar which is my which is a very wrong thing to say for a writer but i've always just liked the creative process like i would watch tv shows like power rangers and pokemon which one of them i still watch today and it's pokemon but i would like what would my pokemon story be and so i came up with an idea and i like started thought thinking of ideas and you know i would do that like all my shows because writing and this creative process just came naturally to me it's my one gift to the world outside of the spro so 
which is slightly That's hampered. Cool, man. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's glorious. Yeah. yeah. If if it wasn't for the headset, you'd see it in full proness, but whatever. It's so. kind of like uh, that's how you know that's how most artists start out is kind of uh, you know is basically recreating art that they enjoy, copying yeah. other people's stuff, and yeah. that's cool that you kind of half of Artist Alley. <laughs> yeah, your, your, your practice was fan fiction, sort of, right? That's which is which is more true than you realize because one of my favorite shows growing up was Avatar: The Last Airbender. Okay. And then when Legend of Korra came out, I was full on to thinking of what would my first, what would my Avatar story be? So the end of season one happens, I'm just like, I'm going to write two chapters and I'm going to put it out there. And I put it on IGN because they had a blog at the time. And I was just like, here's my story. Just tell me what you think. And the first comment was, dude, this is so wrong. I want more of this. And I'm like... <laughs> Oh, okay. That's like, and it was a comment as a compliment, obviously. It's like, it's like wrong how good this fanfic is. And so I'm like, okay. And so like the, the comments just kept coming. And so I was like, okay, let's write another episode. And I'm like, well, I got to kind of connect these episodes. So I wrote basically 60 chapters of this fan fiction over the course of about a year and a half, which is about how long it took from season one of Korra to get to season two of Korra. So I was already ahead of the curve. And by the time I got done, like ever, I had like dedicated fan base. I had, you know, people wanting more of it. I actually had an animation video made of, of the intro sequence right. to the, to, cause I wanted this to be the third series in the avatar story. And I was like, well, I've written this. This is the longest thing I've ever written. What else can I write? So I started writing screenplays for just MTV series that I want to make. And then eventually it just became comics and it's been going ever since. So I owe my life to fan fiction and avatar. That's awesome. See, I'm just like, uh, <clears throat> I was, I, when I was in, an, in anime, when I, like years ago, it was still like the Akira days, right? Uh, and Akira. I never really experienced Avatar and a lot of the stuff that's happened in the last like decade or two. It's on and, Netflix. Yeah, I know. And, and exactly why I bring it up is that my, I have a nine-year-old who is an anime freak. Uh, you know, he's an amazing artist, but all he draws is anime, but he's all about Death Note and My Hero Academia. Classic. And uh, uh, Naruto is the big also one for classic. him right now. Would be, wouldn't that be Boruto? I don't know. Uh, it is. Isn't there both? I don't, I don't well, there is both, but the current one running is a Boruto. But, oh, okay. All right. So. Well, he's always walking, watching the Shippuden one or whatever. Okay, there Shippuden you go. That, that's Naruto. On, so. on Netflix, yeah? Yeah. But I... See, I really, I know I enjoyed it because I don't know any better, but I enjoyed the movie version of Airbender, of The Last Airbender, because I didn't know any other. I didn't know anything else, okay? Just, it's a cool story. I liked the idea of the elementals and these tribes. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, it felt like a kid's movie, and it wasn't, like, as fantastical as well as made as it probably could have been. But I didn't Thanks. even, I wasn't just aware of the, 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 the idea behind The Last Airbender, that there were mm -hmm. elementals and tribes. So I just thought that was a super cool idea. And now that my kid is getting into all this, I think, you know, he hasn't gotten to the point where he's mentioned Airbender. But I said the other day, I was like, look, all, we have the chance to sit down and binge all this stuff right now. I really think we should be sitting down and watching Airbender because it seems to be having a resurgence lately, too. Oh, it's, it's one of the eternal animations, which is interesting when you really think about it, because it's an American show based on more or less you know asian culture right and it's it's basically what we call american anime which is you know like this ruby and certain other programs and yeah you totally should watch it. and then legend of Korra was announced to be coming to netflix as well it, that one wasn't as well received for various reasons but the original is still timeless so 
definitely check it out. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I think we're gonna because I do love the idea, man. And then there's this yeah. one kid who's like the unifier, right? That he's like the one who can. That's the avatar. All, all the yeah, yeah, that just all of them. I think they're all yeah. great ideas, man. Trust it's, me, like I'm sure I'll come on to your show again. But watch Avatar, and then when I come back, your first words better be, "I'm so sorry, I said the movie was good." So okay. <laughs> all right, it's that much better. All right, cool. Well, let me put you this yeah. way: when the movie was announced. We were hesitant. Then we found out M. Night Shyamalan was doing it, and we were scared. But then he did an interview saying that if my if I screw this up, my kids are going to kill me. And I'm like, okay, that's motivation enough. And then the movie bombed because it was horrible. And it was like, my, my friend, swear to God, my friend Ro, who I used to watch Avatar with, he called me after he got out of the theater. He goes, hey, dude, have you seen Air, 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 uh, Last Airbender yet? I'm like, uh, no, I probably wasn't going to go see it. And it's like, good, don't. His, he called me right out to the theater to warn me to not go. I'm like, so watch the watch the show. It's much better. Trust All right, me. sounds good. Aren't they? I heard they're making a live action yes, Airbender show. But, yeah, but this one is actually alongside one of the original creators okay so there oh okay yeah so that's that's the big difference otherwise we'd be scared all over again but now this right. one is it but then again we also haven't heard anything in like two years so oh it's been that long yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but you know after what happened with the Shyamalan film you, you know you got to get this right. right 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 well um diving into Tokyo Blade Detectives it is obviously anime inspired yes um, I call it an anime comic Right. It's 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 a lot of fun. I really enjoyed Thank it. You. you were kind enough to send me the two uh first two issues there to peruse. Um and I I, I really, really enjoyed it, man. I think my favorite part were um my favorite part was the characters. I thought they were unique without being over the top. Uh, I thought they were original without trying too hard. And uh, it was a lot of fun, you know. Um, yeah. You've obviously got some writing and practice behind you because the dialogue was very natural and, you know, it all made sense. And it, it's a cool story. So um, I wouldn't call it manga or anime, definitely inspired by. Would you agree? Well, it's like I said, I call it an anime comic because I wanted it to feel like an anime, you know kind of sound like an anime and even look like an anime like it took the reason this series took so long to make for me like i had the idea for over a year and the problem was that i was already making other comics and i couldn't just drop those to do this one and so right. then when i started to do it i had an artist thought he was perfect and then because he does perfect concept piece and then he starts going into the comic and it just doesn't look the same like Miko, who's our main character, you know, she didn't look right, and like everything felt like way too cartoony, and so I had to let him go. And I found another guy, uh, Lam Vuvan, who's uh, the main artist on the series, and he just kills it. Like it's not even funny how well he kills it. I lo I love Lam's work, and but it, yeah, it's it's technically a comic because manga reads right to left, and we go left to right. Obviously, it it's my version of an American anime. <laughs> let's just let's just put it well, like that. Let me tell you about. One of the reasons I love this book, uh, besides the quality of it, the art is fantastic. Thank and I you. really want to hear about the team and who's doing, because it, it's a really good meld. Uh, the colors, you know, everything all together works very mm -hmm. beautifully. So you'll have to tell me about your team in a sec. Um, there is a book here in Toronto, and it's not at all story. I just had a voice crack. That was funny. <laughs> we all have those days. Yeah. I haven't been talking enough lately. Excuse me. And uh, 
this book is exactly in the same spirit as your book, um, but not at all story-wise. But what it is, it's called Yuki versus Panda. And it's, uh, it's by my very good friend, Graham Miserak. He's a, he's a fantastic independent uh, creator here in Ontario, Canada. Uh, and in fact, volume four, I believe, is about to come out. Um, cool. So basically, this little girl whose grandfather is a samurai, when she's young, he takes her to the zoo <laughs> where she encounters a little baby panda in a cage. Mm-hmm. They have a, an awkward interaction where she kind of teases the panda and uh, insults the panda's honor and, uh, you know, is a little bit of a mean brat to the panda. So years later, the panda grows up and breaks out of the zoo and seeks revenge. Okay. So that's the premise that has now spawned four volumes of comic books. And uh, so the story, not the same, but the anime inspiration same thing like you're saying it's an anime comic it's not yeah. manga it's not straight up japan anime it's not anything yeah. other than a comic that you know is per- it's all in english yeah. but like yours it's just it's just like set there do you know yeah. what i mean like it, it's not that important to the situation as you know story wise but but uh that's what struck me about yours i was like hey i haven't seen anything like this since since yuki versus panda so the only reason I mention it being in that vein is because it's something I really enjoy that's really fun that I'm surprised not a lot of people are doing. Well, it's just for me, I grew up on a whole bunch of either anime or you know Japanese-inspired cartoons. And like I grew up on Pokemon, I grew up on Digimon, I grew up on Dragon Ball Z. Uh, my favorite anime ever is Outlaw Star. And so I just, when I was thinking about Tokyo, I wanted to make as many references to all of these shows and movies and other things as I can. So obviously, you know, you got samurais and, and I try to blend it all with with their history. So like the five factions, which I probably should do an overview of the series, but we'll get to that in a second. But like all the five factions are ref, are directly tied to Japanese culture, whether it be, you know, the Empress, you know, the Tao, which is a religion in Japan, or the Okai are obviously monsters. And uh, from, from the Japanese folklore, you got the Ronin, we were saying right about masters, and the Nine Tails, which is a reference to the Nine Tailed Fox, which your son would know about because that's Naruto. I've and, heard of that one yeah. actually. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's just, and uh, I've got references to Digimon, I've got references to you know, Pokemon. And, oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I'm going to be introducing a character that is uh, based off of uh, the main character of the game, The World Ends With You, which was a very popular cult classic. Uh, set in Shibuya, Japan, which is close to where we are in, in, in Tokyo. And I, that's just fun for me. It's like, I don't know who's going to get this reference, but someone will. Someone will. Right, right, right. So. <coughs> Excuse me. You can't deny a little bit of Star Wars influence in there. Are you a fan at all? From a certain point of view. Right. <laughs> no, love love Star Wars. Uh, Come on, lightsaber katanas. That's pretty badass. Yeah, I just oh, no no, it's laser swords. I guess right, right. It's laser, laser sword. swords. Right, laser right. swords. Yeah, yeah. That was just that was actually how the whole thing got inspired because I was uh, I kid you not I was on Facebook and you know like those uh, memes that are uh, what's your yada yada you know insert first letter first name here right last name. right yeah so yeah. I was doing that and what was mine was what's your anime called and I'm like i like anime let's do that so it was first letter your first name t 
first letter of your last name, B. Last letter of your first name, D. So TBD. And I'm like, okay, what's that? And he goes, Tokyo Blade Detectives. And this was right after Deadpool had gotten released, uh, the movie. And so I go, I have the, the trailer stuck in my head. And so I go, Tokyo Blade Detectives sounds like a franchise. And I hit enter and I left the page. And I was like, that's it, I'm done. Uh, about a couple hours later, I go back on the Facebook and I get a reply from a person I don't know. And I'm like, who's this person? So I go back and it goes, it's for that meme. And I go, hey, that actually does sound like a franchise. You should do that. And I'm like, okay, let's think about this. So Tokyo, so it's obviously an anime. And detectives, okay, that's fine. But Blade, that was what was sticking with me because I'm like, Okay, detectives are modern era, so this have to be a modern day Tokyo. But how? Why would the blades be there? Why would it be a sword where you can use a gun? And so the then the the line hit me. Uh, in a world where guns are outlawed, only the blade can rule. And I'm like, that's my franchise. And so, yeah. Yeah. and like literally, the floodgates opened in my head of like what this comic would be. And so now here we are. And I, and I love it. Now, for those of you who don't, have not heard of this book, Tokyo Blade Detectives is set about 200 years in the future. Uh, Tokyo has been, to Japan in general, has been ravaged by war of both a world and civil nature. The country's basically been burned to the ground and rebuilt via technology. And there is one rule that everyone must follow without question, that is no guns allowed. So to kind of fill the power vacuum, they use their technology to make laser swords to you know keep everybody safe. But the problem with that is that just about anybody can get a laser sword if they work hard enough, which has given the rise to five factions who are trying for, to vie for power in the capital of Tokyo. And so, you know, they're constantly fighting each other. They're constantly fighting the government and all the people are caught in the crossfire. And it's just trying to live in this technologically advanced world that is also regressing back into their more feudal days, which you'll see in the looks and the outfits and of course the swords. And Miko is our main character. She's a 16-year-old, uh, <laughs> I want to say girl, but she acts like a punk. But uh, she's our 16-year-old protagonist. And yeah, she's, she's quite just, badass. I love her. Love her yeah. so. Yeah. And she's just trying to make a buy as a detective and, um, you know, just trying to survive in this, in this craziness that is Tokyo. And she gets a case in the first issue that is going to change things forever. And I'm not going to spoil much more than that, but. That's the it's general a lot of fun. Yeah, no, she's badass, man. She's a lippy little thing, and I love uh, she's fun to follow along. I, with all of my stories, I try and do something different for my with my main characters. My first two characters are my guardians, Element and Chaos, and they're very brotherly. You know, the perfect characters, which I know doesn't exist, but uh, it, it's defined in a certain way in the story. My second one was Home, and I wanted Elite, and her name, and the main character was a girl named Alicia, and I literally defined her as the most relatable girl ever. She just has blue hair, <laughs> and <laughs> which I call instant girlfriend material. I'm just saying. Right. Um, then with 10,000 Miles, I made actual brothers uh, who were geniuses in their own right. And then uh, Seekers of Science was a little different because those were actual people I based it on. But with, with Miko, I wanted the most lippy, like you said, you know, punk character ever. She'll tell you what she thinks. She's a blunt object and she's good at it. And like, and that's many people have said they love Miko because of how much lip she gives people, and, and it's just she's so much fun to write. Oh, so. I'll bet because you really don't have to listen to reason when you're writing her, probably right? She can yeah. just bull bull ahead and like you know, seems she, she doesn't care. She's got what's in her head, and that's what she's following, you know. Yeah, 
Yeah. And as we'll, and as we'll see in the next issue, there are there are more layers to Miko, which a lot of people are asking. It's like, is she just was she born this way? I'm like, no. Well, that's what's cool is is you've left a lot open, which I'm yeah. assuming is going to get revealed as the series goes on. But you yeah. kind of start with a bang, and you're like, okay, who is this chick? How yeah. has she become this way? Why is she this way? Why yeah. does she have these skills? Mm-hmm. And I like that the story opens, and you don't find it necessary to necessarily you know start the story with a whole bunch of explanation you know no. and uh i like it we'll figure that tells it, me we'll figure it out as we go well, if it, even it matters right it's like i said it's very anime in that you know you could start with the origin story or you can just bully your head into it and then like slowly watch the pieces come together which is how yeah, i always watched. the most fun right yeah that's a, that's a, yeah and yeah. and we and ironically enough in issue three we are going to learn a tiny bit of miko's backstory but probably not what you're expecting uh, because if you if you recall the last page of uh, the second issue, loved it. Yeah, we yeah. meet we meet one of the other factions who are the yokai, and they are my terrorists. They are they are the living embodiment of fear. They are they have one goal to screw with everybody and cause as much havoc as possible. And how they do that, which I will not spoil, is so fun to see visually. And see visually, like uh, sorry, what's your artist's name again? Lam Vuvan. Lam Vuvan does a great job with the action, yeah. especially the sword sequences, yes. I think, are very, very well done and very clean, very easy to, to see. And after, when you see that last page in issue two, mm-hmm. it's going to either lead to two things. It's going to lead to an interesting lippy conversation or like standoff type situation or it's about to be on. And I'm curious, ain't curious to see which way it goes, but don't really care which way it goes because either way I think is going to be badass, right? It's oh, either going to be a cool like conversation it. or it's going to be like melee because there was a problem. There's like fucking 15 of those guys like on the last page or whatever, right? So I'm looking forward to it, man. <laughs> but uh, it like the yokai are something I've been building to for three issues in, 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 a, in a certain sense. And actually I have the, here's number two. That's a, that's the yokai right there. Like that okay, was, that yeah. was, that was the hidden image in, in there. It's like, well, who's that? That's the yokai. And the yokai have a certain ability. That's all I'll say. They have a certain ability that makes them quite terrifying. And when we were drawing the reveal page, if you will, um, the first one just didn't look as good. It was you know, too janky, it wasn't flowing. And so, you know, I talked it over my editor, Casey, and we're like, you know, this, it needs to look like this, and it's like this, and then he killed it the second time. And then throughout it, it's just, when they use this ability, it's just so crazy. And it's so anime, it's not even funny. Like, I nice, really wanted this nice. to look like the coolest anime characters. Well, ever. I love to hear that you're using an editor, right? Oh, so. yes, my editor is a Casey Pierce. Oh, she Casey's actually- editing this. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, oh, I told you that. This is but... how. Sorry, this yeah, is how right. this. Okay, I knew that yeah. she had sent you my way. Yeah, she's I didn't my realize she was editing. Sorry. Yeah, she's my editor, as part of a red oh, pen that's media. Fantastic! Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yeah. she is. Yeah, yeah. And she loves this series a lot. And she wants to see it succeed, and so. Um, but yeah, I, tr- I trust. All right, she's a fellow writer, and uh, for those of you who don't know her, weren't there when she was on An Elegant Weapon. You know, well, she's yeah, part of a very few people who are familiar with this show that aren't going to be familiar with Casey. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> she, she's part of Source Point, uh, Source Point Press, who I'm also really good friends with, 
And uh, she's just an awesome person in general, great writer, and I trust her instincts. And so when I had her, uh, I was actually David Hayes, if you, mm-hmm. if you know him. He was my editor on one. Okay. Uh, and he was excellent help in uh, fleshing it out. And he came up with one of the best pages in the, in the issue. And uh, he had to bow out in two. And so I went to an old friend of mine named Jane Curry, and, uh, who's also a novel editor. And then she bowed out, and which was fine. And then Casey comes up to me and goes, I'm your editor. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, it's a very important and uh, misunderstood thing nowadays. I mean, it's getting a lot more attention and people realize how important it can be to have an editor. Yeah. So, you know, it's a smart move to make. In fact, it's funny that your editor's editor just won an Eisner Award. Who? Uh, that would be Allison O'Toole. And she is a Toronto editor, and uh, she edited Cirrus by uh, Casey and J.J. Cott. That's cool. Uh, Allison O'Toole is behind the the woman's anthology uh, Wayward Sisters. I I know that one. Yeah, and she also just edited the Afterlift Comicsology digital comic by Chip Zdarsky and Jason Liu. Yeah, I've heard and, that. And uh, Paris Aline. Basically, what that Afterlift comic was, was like a Toronto super mega force. So Chip Zdarsky, who's a Toronto boy, he got together uh, some of the, well, well-known here, but internationally, lesser-known guys, but all like kids on the cusp, right? Mm-hmm. Like Jason Liu's famous for a comic here called The Pitiful Human Lizard, which <laughs> is an it's, it's a absolutely amazing semi-autographical, autobiographical comic. And uh, colorist Paris Aline, uh, also brilliant. Um, but Allison was the editor on Cirrus, and she just won an Eisner for editing that Afterlift comic for That's Best cool. Digital Comic, right? That's like, she cool. didn't win Best Editor. The comic won Best Digital Comic. Oh, okay. So a comic that she edited won yeah. Best Digital Comic, and she edited Cirrus for Casey, and Casey's, you know, my editor now she's your editor so it's cool how the how the talent trinkle trinkles down you know what i mean well it's all interconnected when you really think about it well how did you meet the source point kids where did you meet david Stay two weeks here. oh yeah right i on. was it was before my rs alley days uh, actually no it was during one of my rs alley days um i was on twitter i was roaming the floor just taking up a small break and I, I had a tweet that said, I can't remember who's had it, but it was like, you know, see these people at C2E2. And it was like SourcePoint, Aftershock, and certain other ones. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know some of these people. And this is when I was really trying to get into, you know, the comic industry, like the publisher, which I'm still trying to do. And I literally see that and I look up and there's SourcePoint. I'm like, snap. Like, I was easy. <laughs> so I go on and I meet Travis McIntyre and we strike up a great conversation. And I was like, you know, I'm a writer. I'm trying to break into certain publishers. And he goes, well, hey, let's exchange cards. So we had a conversation and that's where I actually met, where I met Casey and Bob Saley and David Hayes and all of them, uh, Levi and Josh and all of them, the great, great people. And you know, I'm, I'm trying to get in with them. I might have something in the future with them. It, it's, it's unclear. You know, the lockdown doesn't help, obviously, because they're very much a, a group that's dependent on cons because they do so many over a year. But it's, uh, it's weird being stranded right now. Right. So I, I'm, the Cana- I'm the Canadian ops manager for SourcePoint Press. Really? Yes. I run, all these things? I, <laughs> I run all the Canadian shows out here. That's cool. So 
it's difficult for me right now because I'm very, very cut off from my core family. Yeah, out same there, here. Right? Like 2020 and was supposed to be a big year for me, not difficult. just because of Tokyo, but you know, like sales wise, I had a, I had an epic 2019, like profit right. all over the board. Yeah. And 2020 was supposed to be you know, I got Tokyo, and I got you know Seekers of Science about to come out with a with a volume and everything and really, then well, you're gonna have to tell me that about that another time i'm really interested in that seekers of science yeah, that we, you might have to, we might have about, time but we might uh, have time. you know we'll but, uh, get into that but um yeah i mean odds are we met at c2e2 and had an entire conversation that i probably don't remember because i was far possible. too stoned or full of pints at the time i get okay. a little bit fuzzy at the convention well c2e2 for me is is a non-working con Oh, there you go. Right? Because, like, uh, I only go out to C2E2 to kind of see the fam and hang out and have an awesome time and actually do, you know, I do press for this show and I do interviews, but I'm not there for source point, which means I'm just free to have a good time, right? Yeah. And uh, so C2E2 for me is always just like a giant party con. I don't remember a lot of it every year <laughs> um, because it's one of my getaways. Like, because that rarely happens, right? Most shows I'm at, I'm, I'm working in some capacity, whether it's yeah. hosting or moderating or trying to slot comics to the public. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I've, I went, I've been to RS Alley four times in C2E2 over the last seven years. And while I love it, when I got to be a fan again for two years, because you know that I got rotated out, if you will, right. it was so worth it because I'm like I'm doing panels again. I'm, it's you know, nice, I'm seeing, eh? It's, it's nice. nice. And then I did, yeah. then I did this year, and it was totally great. I was doing, a, you know, a variety of things, trying to plug myself, and and I had my most successful C two B two ever, period. And it was it was just awesome. But there was also points where I was like, I really wish I was a fan, so because I missed certain things I totally wanted to do. But, you know, I, I made it work. And so I totally get because CTV2 is my con. I go to it every single year ever since I started. And so sure, I totally get, yeah. you know, wanting to be the fan and just enjoying life, you know. Yeah. And if, you, if that's what you do it there for, then power to you, man. Uh, C2E2 at least, you know, I mean, New York kind of, but I'm usually yeah, I'm helping try, I'm still trying to get to New York. I'm still trying. I haven't made it straight, there yet. Man, take C2E2 and times it by eight. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, it's an epic, yeah. epic, epic thing. But, you know, you have to, if they ever open the borders again, you have to get your ass up to Fan Expo yeah. uh, in Toronto as well. There man. are, it's, there it's are ones. epic to itself. Yeah, there, there are a few in uh, Canada. I want to, I have heard great things about Fan Expo. Yeah, and... well, we just did our first, uh, SourcePoint Press did our first Vancouver Expo this year. Cool. And sold the fuck out. Everything I brought, like literally, the table was absolutely bare. I didn't bring a damn not a game not a card not a comic like nothing came home we sold out of all deep water n3 and source point products it was vancouver was a smash for us like just at, so welcoming there's a huge gaming community out there too the mats oh. you know the the n3 mats yeah, yeah that we sell yeah the the desk mats just i couldn't even keep them on the table they were that's flying. Awesome. it was unbelievably cool so that's that's uh, the dream i want to hear about your team how'd yes. you meet them where'd you find them how'd you come together so you know i i found myself in a forest i'm kidding uh <laughs> no i i obviously i'm the writer creator of the series uh casey i just explained our origin story right, where right. Uh, we met via source point at c2e2 and beyond uh lon buvon i met on facebook who where i found many great artists and people they uh 
I, I was on a Facebook group looking for an anime artist. He was one of the many who applied and I, I singled him out and we've been working together ever since. Uh, my letterer is Zach Som, who is a uh, major letterer in the industry in his own right. He's worked for yeah. DC with IDW. He's worked for others. And How'd that happen? Internet. I met him on Twitter. Or, yeah, it was Twitter because uh, he had a – do you know Heather Antos? Yes, I do. Okay, well, they were together at the time. And we start, just hit it off on Twitter. I met them, ironically, at C2E2. And eventually I said, Zach, I, I know I'm not working with you right now, but I promise I will in the future. He goes, oh, that's cool. So he was my letter on home for uh, most of the issues. And then when I did Tokyo, I knew I wanted this to be like my top level quality of piece I could ever, I have ever done. And right. so I knew I had to get Zach on here. So he's been, he's been letter, he lettered all two, all three of them. He's uh, getting me the letters for number three right now so I can re-upload them to the Kickstarter before we launch on Saturday and August 1st. And like, he's just really good. He really brings out the, the feeling of the letters and it's really awesome. And then my cover artist is Alex Garcia who has been with me since Guardians. He's literally my go-to artist. He is my Greg Capullo. And yes, that means okay. I am Scott Snyder. You're welcome. <laughs> so, but yeah, he is my go-to guy. I always go to him for work when I absolutely need it done. And the only reason I didn't do it with it with him him with Tokyo was because I wanted to just do some with someone different. You know, I, I'm trying to you know give work where I can. And uh, but I'm still working. Alex is my artist on Secrets of Science, so he he's covered on that front. But. Uh, he just really his covers are so good he has like such right. detail and everything and i love it so that's my team and i'm honored to work with every single one so who's coloring uh lom lom does all the oh, interior art all, eh? pencils inks, Pen and inks colors a little bit of it eh? yeah. and then alex does the cover art because i trust that's him on that fantastic and yeah. and how long's he been at it because you know lom i honestly don't know he just he said he was looking for more he's claimed he said he's done comics before which i note on our uh, meet the team page on the kickstarter and he's just you know continued looking for work and he just and where is to... he at he's in vietnam <laughs> that's right you said that that's crazy man that it's is crazy a, yeah no you find the nuttiest artists in the coolest places man yeah. like My, uh yeah alex know? is from mexico i've worked with the guy from singapore yeah. Zach Brazil's is popular for cheap talented artists yeah and <laughs> yeah. uh zach's in michigan i have a friend named beth she would she did home she was in um um washington dc area and but I, i've had people reaching for me you know, britain you know Ooh, various countries in europe and yeah that's awesome uh, i've had i have backers from australia i've got russia and like you know the world comes oh, together when it comes internet, to comics man absolutely it's, it's a it's yeah. a global passion for sure yeah. um okay uh how far do you want to take this? Is this just going to be ongoing? Do you have an end in sight? Do you have a plan? Volumes? Issues? Well, um, for Tokyo, it's what I want this to be an ongoing series. So the right. uh, issue number three is the technical end to the first arc. We do have a little bit of a twist in issue four, which is something I've never done before. Uh, in terms of the twist, not issues four. I've done more than four issues before. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm doing the story a little bit differently, but it is going to be an ongoing. And my goal is to get to issue four, which is the true end. And 
then I'll uh, start shopping around, hopefully to publishers, and I want to see if someone will pick it up. And if they do, great. If not, then I'll just keep going because I've got a lot of ideas. Like the I'm nature sure, of man. the nature of Tokyo, which I emphasize on the Kickstarter, is everything is changing. Every arc, something big happens that just sends ripple effects, and everything just keeps growing. It keeps advancing, and it's a beautiful thing. So if I have to do this Kickstarter by Kickstarter until I run out of it, I will do that because I hey, love man, this. Hey man, that Yuki versus Panda I mentioned. Yeah. Uh, there are some very very cool things coming. Some things I can't speak of, but one I can is that there is an animated series in production. Oh, lucky! Um, I but, want this to be like an animated series. Right, I, I, no right. Joke, I like, totally no, do. you gotta. I'll, I gotta. I'll send you links to this and everything. You'd abs. It, I can't even tell you how much in the same spirit that <laughs> that both your guys' work is. Like, I think you just get off great because. Uh, um, he's done all four volumes through Kickstarter. That's incredible. All self-published. It's Duskleaf Media. And, uh, yeah, he just loves it. And you know what? He does it purely for the passion of it. He just loves this comic. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a well-loved comic around here. But, yeah, you can do it, man. You can take it that far just through Kickstarters. It's, 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 it's a it. very easy method. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't tempt me. Yeah. Don't, don't tear me. me. Don't I'll tempt fucking me, do it. I'll make this comic forever, uh, man. I, I hear you. Home was five issues, all of them successful Kickstarters. Ten Thousand Miles was a graphic novel. Got that on Kickstarter. Did it, and then this would be my third one. So just between these, you two, know what you're doing, yeah. I know what I'm doing, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and because of the lockdown, I actually postponed the launch because I know I'm trying to help people out here. So I actually have my lowest Kickstarter goal ever for three because I don't want to push people into right. you know, trying to give big amounts of money yeah, so you're even kind-minded how much are you shooting for what's the goal 750 which is okay. totally which is totally doable especially Wait, since... 750 dollars no 750 thousand yeah yes 750 dollars <laughs> that's that's insanely low yeah well yeah. i like i said i'm trying to help people and you know the last two times it was like 1500 and then i did a thousand just because i wanted to be nice because was, i wasn't sure if people would come back because of the oh, nature of the shit, series man we're gonna do that in a day I, I would love We're nothing We're going to do more. that today. Listen, kids, whether you're you few <laughs> people are watching right now, and I apologize. We actually threw this together kind of last minute. Yeah. Um, so I didn't get a chance to advertise to all you fine folks that we'd be doing this. But once right. it's actually, uh, you know, this is just the fun of doing it live in case people pop in. In fact, uh, Crystal Hope says she so wants to read this. Okay. So I'm okay. sure we've at least got one in the bag there. Um, but again, within, uh, days I'm going camping for the next two days. So, but on Friday, uh, when I get back, this will be posted to YouTube. Uh, you kids will be able to watch this exact video on YouTube as well as, uh, on all the usual podcast platforms like iTunes and Spotify. Uh, and we will push the hell out of this because I, I really enjoyed it, man. And I think it's what we need right now. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, like for, I said, it's very escapist. It's very original, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah and, and for Crystal, uh, if you want to make sure you don't forget to get this, I sent our dear host a preview link yeah, that you I can go to. It. Yeah, yeah, it's right there in the go, comments. Go, so. go to that link, and you can yeah. sign up for notifications for when it launches. It's launching at 12.01 on August 1st. And if you're wondering what rewards I'm offering. Yeah, tell us a bit about what's uh, yeah. what's in the package. What can we so, get for our dollar? I've got, I've got a lot to offer. So for those of you just like digital comics, I've got $3 and $5 rewards to get the, to get a PDF of the comic. 
for people like Crystal who have not read the series so far, I have a $5 digital reward. We can get all three issues for just five bucks. So it's a perfect wow. way to catch up on the series. Um, for $10, you'll get a physical copy. So if you want, if you want to get physical, mm, so many jokes. <laughs> um, if you want to get the physical copy, there you go. Uh, that's where you can get that. But I also have other rewards, including uh, a $15 reward. We will get every single comic I've ever made digitally. And uh, I have one. Really? Yeah, every single one. That's 30 plus comics for $15 digitally. And then we have a physical one that's 150 because, you know, mailing. But uh, right, right, right. especially overseas, which I have done. But we also have uh, like combination packs where you can get a physical copy and all the digital comics. I have a reward that's my, easily my most popular. I will draw you into the comic. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's fifty dollars, but you will be drawn to the comic, and we. But it's only for ten people because it's especially in this issue. There's not a lot of room to draw. That's given always out. fun, man. Yeah, and then uh, I also have rewards where I will help you make comics, including listening to your pitch and helping you refine it so that you, you can make it, or even working with you step by step so you'll get it done. Um, that's for seventy five dollars. Great rewards, man. Yeah. These are fantastic. I'm, uh, I'm Crystal just... also said she said Abs uh, amazing. I absolutely will uh, get physical. LOL. Oh, I want to get physical for sure. So Be Crystal hope uh, to get. <laughs> I mean, I'm single, baby. I don't know you, Crystal, but you never know. Uh, uh, I'm familiar with Crystal here, and uh, I don't know, Crystal. Maybe he's that one that you were talking about the other day that we're all <laughs> on the search for. You never know that one that never could be know. handy to you. But... Um, Crystal actually here is a wonderful cosplayer. Oh, love cosplayers! I got and, so many great cosplay friends. Uh, maybe you can cosplay one of my characters. I was just about to say, Crystal is about two and a half feet tall. Um, no, that's not true. She's not that short. But she is a cute, lovely, adorable little thing who uh, would probably make a great Miko, actually. Uh, oh, awesome. So make sure you look at that link there and hook yourself up. And kids, uh, this was a really, really fun read. I really, really enjoyed yeah. it. And uh, it is, it's what we need right now. It's not over serious. It's pure badass fun. And like I say, uh, my favorite part about the book was the originality of the characters yeah really enjoyed them man uh you came up with some cool cats you know yeah, like from I, the I empress and the other i love the empress yeah, oh my yeah. gosh it's love. uh I, uh you'll like this anime reference i i am endeavoring to make tokyo blade detectives like full metal alchemist brotherhood was in okay. regards to all right. of their characters mattered you know alphonse right. edward um uh, almost said Miko. Uh, Roy, Roy Mustang, and all of them. Every character mattered, big, supporting, or one off. They always seemed to matter, and that's what I'm going with here. So from Miko to Mishio to the Empress to the Yokai, everyone has a purpose, and they're all gonna get fleshed out. And that's what I really love about this series is that everything matters. Every story matters. Almost every interaction matters right, because it just right. it just keeps adding to the story and i and i love that. when you one more question about the book wow, itself when you were designing the characters do you how much of the visual aspect do you put into it or i it, do you work with your artist or do you just say this is an idea go nuts i do a little there, bit of both i do a little okay, bit of both. like for right. like for miko uh i do you ever watch uh transformers prime yeah 
okay, there was a character named Miko there, if you right, recall. Right, 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 right. And yeah. she had the 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 bob tails and everything. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. here's kind of a reference. You know, she's 16. You know, kind of angry. You know, slightly futuristic clothing. You know, go with that. And then for other ones like the Tao, I was like, you know, here's a slight reference. I actually used a Digimon reference for that one. I'm like, well, you know, where how does the Empress come to mind? Like where are you uh, like like fire color like yeah she is a reference to a Japanese wrestler named Asuka. Who, okay, that makes sense. And yeah. her character in wrestling is she is the Empress of Tomorrow, uh, and I'm, and I, I I I love Asuka. So uh, okay, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very weird like David Bowie esque kind of. Uh, thing character. to that yeah. character well, yeah oscar has a very similar look where she has like this very she used to come out in this very flashy like kimono like outfit and she'd be like parading around to the ring as she entered and it was just i love that so much i'm like if i'm gonna have a a woman especially in japan where yeah they uh i i needed to have this very over-the-top personality and like there's no more over-the-top woman than oscar especially right. how she looks i'm like now that one took some work because of like color schemes and everything, but like the sun uh, on the back of her of her cloak was totally awesome. I didn't I didn't think about that, but someone did it, and I'm like, that's awesome. So it, it's it's sometimes it just works out that I know what I want. Other times it's like I'll just let my artists, you know, go crazy and you know think of how things will look. Often, right. especially for this one, I try to do references because I'm trying to uh, not mimic, but uh, be inspired by certain Japanese characters. Like There's a lot you. of homaging in the Yeah, book. homages. There we go. They're right, homages right, to characters. Right. Yeah. And uh and then sometimes they're just original creations. Like Mishio. I, I did not have an idea for him. I said, think old school samurai, you know, kind of an old man look, and then draw. And they did. And I was like, that's perfect. Well, like right, one right. take, done. Awesome. Well, it's come together beautifully, man. Uh, Thank you. I, I really, uh, really appreciated reading it, and I can't wait to see what uh, what happens next. Yeah. And that's always look forward to your the, pledge. That's hey, <laughs> that's always the best sign of a comic book, kids, is uh, leave you wanting more. And Mr. Todd Black, the writer of Tokyo Blade Detectives and a whole lot of other shit, <laughs> uh, has done exactly that for you, uh, Todd. It was very cool to meet you, man. Thanks for hanging out and letting the kids know uh, all the goodies they can get uh kickstarter i have uh, put the link right there um but otherwise we'll put the link anywhere and i'm sure if you just go to kickstarter and type in tokyo blade detectives yep. uh the appropriate things shall uh, show up so uh good luck with this and uh i'm sure it's gonna go awesome sir i hope to talk to you again soon uh kids that is all we're gonna have this week on an elegant weapon pack it is elegant weapon for a more civilized age.